Hello, and welcome to Fatal Femmes, a podcast surrounding the women of mystery. Each episode will look at a movie or TV show written, directed, or made famous by a female-identifying artist. We're your hosts, Laura Celeste and Lacey Cannon-Gonzalez. Stay tuned. In this episode, we look at the 2016 movie Hush, directed by Mike Flanagan, written by Kate Siegel and Mike Flanagan, starring Kate Siegel, John Gallagher Jr., Michael Trucco, and Samantha Sloyan. To get us started, here is a synopsis. A deaf and mute writer who retreated to the woods to live a solitary life must fight for her life in silence when a mass killer appears at her window. Trigger warnings for this episode are violence, gore, and intense, frightening scenes. We want to caution you that this episode is full of spoilers. We talk in depth about the plot, so if you care about that, go watch the movie and come back. We'll be waiting. So we have with us today the unofficial third L of Fatal Fims, Laura Ray. Yay! Hi! I love that, the unofficial third L. Oh yeah, you've almost reached like the five timers club like on SNL. Woo-woo! So I think one more time and you'll get your five timers jacket. Oh my yeah. gosh, I can't wait. We have jackets. <laughs> oh, I meant to tell you. <laughs> we need to order jackets. Oh my gosh, I would wear that jacket every day. We are starting a new thing with our podcast where we are creating custom cocktails for each episode. For each episode. Thank you. Yes. And this one that we have created today is called the Squish Squash. Yes. The Squish Squash has whiskey, 7-Up or Sprite, sparkling water. We used grapefruit sparkling water, which was a good choice, I think. Yes. A squeeze of lemon and then a sprig of rosemary that I think we should change that to rosemary simple syrup just to get the rosemary flavor a little bit more intense but I think the sprig is a really cool garnish in the glass. I was just gonna say it's delicious goes down very smooth. Yes and it's nice and kind of woodsy reminds you of being outdoors maybe at a cabin. Yes but maybe not a terrifying one. Yeah and we wanted something strong. Our main character didn't seem like a tequila or a vodka we were like, yeah, whiskey. Whiskey. Mm-hmm. Totally. Absolutely. She's the full package. So for a well-rounded character, we made a well-rounded cocktail. So all right. When we're going to be doing this for each episode now, we make them up. We try them and... Post we... them on Instagram and then you can make yours while you listen along to the episode. Right. So we never know if they're going to turn out good or bad or amazing so yeah leave us feedback if you tried the squish squash let us know what you think i personally i don't know who wouldn't like that it's so good delish you can't the the whiskey taste isn't so overpowering that it's like oh my god whiskey but it's just enough that it's really good and it's not too sweet Mm -hmm. no but it's sweet enough Mm -hmm. that's what i'm saying well-rounded so the movie we are talking about today is hush And Lacey, why did we pick this one? We picked this one. um, Laura introduced this film to me last year, and I watched it, and I had a really strong opinion on us doing this one. And a couple of the reasons are mainly we are seeing a person of different capabilities in a main role, and we're seeing how that affects a story. Because we've seen plenty of stories about the girl locked in the house with the mass killer, or anybody Mm -hmm. locked in the house with the mass killer. But the story changes and circumstances change when you take away the ability to hear much like how vision was taken away in wait until dark when the main character was blind. So I think that's really cool looking and getting a different perspective, 
how someone of a different capability would handle that kind of situation. Uh, another thing that I think is really cool is this was co-written by a woman who actually is the star, Kate Siegel. She wrote this along with her husband. So it's a husband and wife team, Mike Flanagan directing, Kate Siegel starring, but they both wrote it. And it was based on a concept they came up with on a date. I love that. I believe after seeing Wait Until Dark, right? Uh, yes, there is an interview that they gave when this premiered at South by Southwest that I'll link to in the show notes, where they said that they saw a production of Wait Until Dark and they really liked the concept and thought this was cool and that Mike Flanagan had always wanted to have a protagonist who was deaf. So they were like, hey, let's put these two things together and make this. And we are so glad they did. But yeah, I think that those are the main reasons why I felt like we should pick this. And actually, I think Carl introduced this to us because I think you and I watched it at the same time. Oh, I thought you introduced it because I'm so used to Lar being <laughs> the one that tells me everything. But it could have been Carl. It was Carl. Yeah, I actually <laughs> think it might have been Thanksgiving last year and we yeah. were trying to find something to watch and he was like, hey, that one's really good. And yeah. so we both watched it and we're like, what? This is amazing. It is so good. Absolutely. I I, I saw it about the same time last year um, with my husband, Heath, and we're both really big horror film fans. And if you're a horror film fam, fan, I think you know that a lot of horror films, unfortunately, are not fantastic. This one really was exceptional. Um, we talked about it for weeks after we saw it. So I was really excited to get to come talk about it with you guys. Yeah, we are really excited to get into this one today. But speaking about horror movies, like a lot of them aren't good. But I saw a panel at the Austin Film Fest this past October after a horror film had screened, and it was a very good one. But the director talked a lot about how he didn't take the proceedings seriously. And actually, he had quite a few comedy actors on the in the cast, so they naturally just kind of leaned into the comedic Feel of scenes when that wasn't written in there they just kind of added it but it ended up making the film much more watchable and enjoyable so I wonder because a, a lot of people and a lot of people in the industry talk about how close horror and comedy are so I wonder if that's part of it because there is some kind of funny stuff in this film so I wonder if if it's approaching it and not taking it so seriously, like this is horror and it's got to be scary, it's gonna be dark and intense, but it's kind of it's kind of finding the funny in circumstances that aren't. Yes, and on that note, some of the best horror films that I've seen have had comedic elements to them as well. Um, it helps them to not be too dark. Um, it can be difficult to watch any film that's like entirely in the gloom and doom. Um, so anytime you can find some levity, I think that's great. I saw a film this year. Uh, called Ready or Not, uh, that it's a yep. fantastic horror slash comedy, a dark comedy, I think is what they classify it as. But it was a, a, exceptional. It very much leaned into into the comedy when it should have. <laughs> totally agree. Saw the same movie and thought the same thing. Really, really enjoyed that one. That would be a fun one since we we are officially covering horror movies now. Mm -hmm. Like officially Fatal Films is now covering horror films. Ooh. Ready or Not would be a great one. Agreed. It's so funny. It's so much fun. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, you need to. It's a blast. The year is 2016. Hello by Adele was the hit song. Spotlight won Best Picture at the Oscars. The world's longest rail tunnel in Switzerland was unveiled. The United Kingdom voted to leave the European Union. And the Summer Olympics took place in Rio de Janeiro. Excellent. And uh, that what was happening the year this movie came out. Yeah, and I was producing a musical. You were. Oh, yeah. Yep. 
Oh, and I was, I was well, when you this, were in Europe, you, that's the year that Laura took nice. her big European trek. You were gone for two months, two and a half, two and a half months. Yeah. yeah. Cause you were gone like the whole run of my show. I was gone August, September and came back mid October. Uh, you were like gone for three of the most stressful months of my life. I'm sorry. Oh so not to I don't I don't want to get us into a political territory, but that was the year of the election as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I came back right before the election. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was happening too, and that was mm-hmm. all anybody wanted to talk I'm about. Sure. So that's actually interesting thinking about this. This is a pre-Trump film, uh, pre-Trump, like right back in the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the good old days. But yes, but yes, 2016 was quite a year. Lots of stuff happening. Lots of people died. Yes. Lots of celebrities died. When we were doing yeah. research for this year, so many celebrities. Yeah, it was just, I was looking at a list of headlines and it was like, died, died, died. Mm. This bad thing happened. Died, died, died. This terrorist attack. Died, died, died. Trump's elected. Died, uh. died, died. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of terrible things in one year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but one terrible thing that didn't happen was Hush. Hush was a was fan- released in theaters. Yeah, and that was a great movie. <laughs> it was actually released at South by Southwest, which is here in Austin. Oh, I so saw that. Theoretically, we could have seen it in its debut, but I didn't. Was that the year Veronica Mars was at the film fest or at South by? We haven't even gotten to the film. I keep derailing us. <laughs> okay. No, that was 2014, so two years prior. Ooh, wow. You're Damn. old enough now that you don't remember anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. My brain's, my memory is fully gone. Fully. I couldn't re- remember what time we were recording today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my memory's been bad for a long time. On that note, to like loop us back here, I typically forget movies. Um, I have a, I have a like a dark place in my brain that movies go to unless they are very, very, very good or like ridiculously bad. If they're somewhere in between, I feel like they go into the dark place. Um, so this one went in, it didn't go into the dark place. It was very, very good. <laughs> it didn't go into the file cabinet in the back of the closet. Right, exactly. It's, I remembered it. It's right there on the fridge mm-hmm. in your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when I was showing you the list of things that we were thinking about talking about, you were just like, that one, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. doing that. And I begged like, for this one. Okay, you are on the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So the movie opens with her cooking dinner. We don't know her name. We don't know anything about her. Actually, we don't even know it's a her. We just hear sounds and see somebody cooking. Yeah. And there's close-ups on the tasks. And the sounds are so loud. They're so punctuated. Yeah, they're very sharp. Um, I thought that was a really great choice, especially because then they cut to us being in her head. And and it's like this kind of silence, but there's like a little bit of a swish sound um, to kind of indicate that it is silence. We are kind of hearing things how she, you know, doesn't essentially. And it's such an interesting way to let the audience know that she's deaf before we actually get it revealed to us officially. Yeah. And that happens at the same time that we see her face for the first mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. which I think is a really beautiful shot. And mm-hmm. a, like you said, a great reveal. They did that in The Quiet Place too, not to not to change movies, sorry. Oh. But I, I really appreciated those moments when we were in his daughter's head, um, and that character was also um, deaf, uh, because they would play with that like silence when we were in her head. Um, I thought that was a really interesting choice. I haven't seen that one either. But I, I haven't really want seen to. that either. Very good. Another another great film, great great horror film. I know it looks really scary. It's very scary. Yeah, don't watch it alone. <laughs> okay, Laura, what are you doing after this? <laughs> 
And so we also get an introduction to one of my favorite characters in this movie, the cat. Yeah. When she picks up the food bowl and she's shaking it because everybody knows the fastest way to get your cat to appear is to let them know that there's some food. That's the truth. Food is the way to getting your cat to do whatever you want them to. I'm always shaking our bag if I'm like trying to find our cats. I'm like, shake the food bag. Where are they? Yeah, that's what I would do (laughs) if um, our older cat, Captain, when he would get outside. There was one time both of my cats got outside and I just took the treat bag out and I shook it and they both came running back. But that was the surefire way to always get Captain to come back. Nice. And she gets a message on her computer from Sarah from next door, which I absolutely love because I do that with people in my phone. I don't put their last names a lot of times. You label them how you, like where you know them from. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> the only time I've done that is when I've gotten um, intoxicated and I've met people out <laughs> like at a party or a club and I'll be like, you know, Isaiah. And I don't know. I'll put something. But that's the only time that I've done that. I put that with like co-workers or like my boss I'll be like you know blah 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 boss <laughs> like I'm gonna forget but <laughs> so when it comes up you're like oh oh let me be professional yes, exactly <laughs> you know that you are in a secure position in my life when I change you from you know Joe from work to Joe Schmo <laughs> yeah exactly what do you call me am I Lacey Cannon <laughs> no I have your full like professional name in my phone Lacey Ooh. Cannon Gonzalez yeah is Cor- Gonzalez spelled correctly? It is, but I think I might have it hyphenated. So you also sorry. have Carl's name wrong, and I don't think you've ever changed it. Oh, because it's Gonzalez. <laughs> it's always been Gonzalez. It's been Gonzalez for years. So it's really funny that you got it right on my name. But Carl is still Carl Gonzalez. So what? It's been that way for fifteen years. I love it. You yeah. have not known Carl fifteen years. I don't know Laura. how long I've known him. You have known Carl like eleven years. Have I? Okay, cool. When did you move down to San Marcos? D- sometime in the mid two thousands. I think two thousand seven. Did you move in two thousand seven? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, August. Oh yeah. So you've known Carl twelve years. Aww. Close. So if it's been Gonzales all that time, it'll probably be Gonzales for the till the end of time. Till one of you dies. Yeah, and he'll probably you because you never changed his name (laughs) it's like this is for (laughs) Gonzales anyway so Sarah comes over oh yeah there's a movie going on and she leaves her cooking she shuts the door leaves all the pans on the stove and goes outside see this is why people that are skinny in movies are skinny because they leave the food I would never leave the food. Yeah. It's like, you come to me. I have food. Yeah. I I have such an intense fear of setting things on fire. Like, I'm so afraid of fire. That's the only reason that I, I, I think, knock on wood, that I wouldn't do that. But then again, I can't tell you how many times I've gone back home halfway somewhere because I can't remember if I turn the oven off and I'm having like a panic attack. And I always have every single time, but I just can't convince myself. I'm like, wait, did I do it? Oh, I used to leave the oven on all the time at our old apartment. It's an easy thing to do. Yeah, yeah, our old roommate would come home and he'd be like, the house is really hot. Oh my God. Because it would be on for like 30 minutes. It wouldn't be anything bad. It's like if you've cooked a turkey over Thanksgiving, you know you can leave that sucker on for a long time. True. But but yeah, I've definitely done that. It's an easy thing to do. So anyways. But also, why didn't she invite her friend inside? Well, she can't necessarily yell like, hey, Sarah, come on in. No, no, but she was standing in the doorway when she mm. walked up. So she could have just, you know, motioned her in or something. I mean, maybe she didn't make enough food for two. And she was like, oh, I can't offer her any. 
Um, and therefore, I'm going to pretend like I'm not cooking. I'm, That's I'm a stretch. That's a stretch. I just, I don't ever cook enough oh. food. Or so. she needed something to do later in the movie to distract her mm. from something else that was going on outside. I mean, I know why in the script. <laughs> right. We're <laughs> because getting Because it's a setup for something. Right. But just like, as a person. So... I could I can justify it because again I can see myself being like oh no I can't offer you anything this feels rude to like be like come smell my delicious food as I stir it in front of you and I don't have enough for you um but but yeah I I know what you're about to say though it's it's a classic setup for a very important like plot point that will come back later in the movie yeah the food burning is quite important yes Mm -hmm. yes it is been much different Mm -hmm. truth had it not truth truth And this is also when we find out like 100% for certain that she is deaf Mm -hmm. because Sarah is signing to her and, you know, she doesn't speak. Right. And we find out she's a writer. Mm -hmm. She writes mysteries. It looks like, is it mysteries or thrillers? It looks like a a thriller or a horror movie. Something in that vein. In that genre, yes. Yeah, definitely. So, and they set that up so nicely because it's just the book being set down and the title and her bio on the back. Yes. So it gives you everything you need to know. I really appreciated just the simplicity of that shot and how much information was packed into it. Yes, definitely. It's so thoughtful to the audience because, it again, it's not over-explaining anything. It's like, I trust you, audience, to be able to gather all the information you need that's important. So it just always feels like really nice as an audience member when a director or a writer don't don't feel like they have to like let me like explain everything to you through a character let me force feed you this <laughs> yeah. plot yeah, yeah there's no weird monologue like yes so <laughs> let me ask you about when you lost your hearing when you were 13 right right, right. Or, no. you know no yeah it's like how has that affected you what do you think karen absolutely but we do get the great information about how she comes up with the endings to her books that she sees the things play out in her mind like a movie and she hears a voice mm-hmm. and she says that she hears the voice and she, it's her mom mm-hmm. which is so funny because it's the actor's voice but i guess in her in her mind and in her mind's ear it's her mom. Which probably maybe sounded somewhat like her own voice because yeah. she was 13 when she, you know, she lost, lost her, her hearing. hearing. Um, but yeah, absolutely. People always tell me that I sound like my mom, mm-hmm. so. For oh my sure. gosh. Yes, I hate getting one of you on the phone because I always, like if one of them answers the home phone, it's like, oh. Wait, who is it? <laughs> it's like sometimes I can tell by the inflection because mm. you go up on your inflection and mom doesn't. Ah. Mm. So. It's my millennial speak. You just kind of go up. Everything sounds like a question. So I do think that's millennial speak because I, I catch myself doing that. Mm-hmm. We've been taught as a generation to speak that way. <laughs> yes. I blame the youths. The We're youths. not sure about anything. But can we talk exactly. about the cat's name? Yes. Oh, what is the cat's the name? The cat's name is, is bitch. bitch. Oh, yeah. And we also, because of this movie, learn um, the sign language for bitch. Which we is, do. how does it look? I think it was like that. Yeah. Was it just? Was or it, it was just? It was oh, like right because four she d- fingers to the chin and then kind of like a forward movement. Yes. Oh my gosh. We'll have to make sure. We'll have to check that. What yeah. a perfect name for a cat. Like, I know, just, right? I can't tell you the number of times I've called my cat that name. Well, and, and that's plus, not its name. <laughs> <laughs> Willow or um, Willow mostly. She okay. she's the rambunctious one. She's the mischievous one. Oh, little so. Willow. We love yeah. Willow. She's a sweetie. She's a cuddle bug. She has been on the show before. She has. She wasn't supposed to be. (laughs) 
<laughs> cats are always welcome here at Fatal Femmes. Yeah, she all animals. She loves the spotlight. She was actually in a, like a web series with a, a friend of mine, um, oh. and she did very well. Oh. I was really impressed with her. That's I thought maybe so cool. I should get her a cat agent if that's <gasps> even a thing. Oh my god! I want family cat of actors. Agent? I know. Maybe I should. Oh, you should be a cat agent. Start the what business. are you doing? Yes, bam! I'm ready. Guys, let's start a business. You heard okay. it here first. <laughs> fatal, fe- fatal felines. Oh, Ooh, I love that. Oh my god! Copyright, quick. No <laughs> okay. one use that. We will sue you. Are any of you artists? Do you want to team up with us to make fatal felines sketches and drawings and We're t-shirts ready. and things? Let us know. That please. leads me down a whole different rabbit hole that is not associated with this movie. But we will talk. We we'll talk about this later. The cat is very important in this film, though. And yes. That's another um, thing that is established that is important in the film and comes back later to be an important thing. So, Also, quick warning for anybody, nothing bad happens to the cat. Yeah, yes. that's really important to share because anytime I see an animal, especially in a scary movie, I'm like, you better not you touch. Better not. <laughs> I know, isn't that horrible? Like, humans, cool, no problem, but you better not touch that animal. Well, the animals don't have a choice. They are, they've been domesticated by us and yeah. they're just... They're trapped. They're at our mercy. So they are. People, if people killing people is different than an, a person killing an animal because that's just, that's fucked up. And that's one thing you will, it's kind of our unwritten rule. We haven't really spoken about it, but at Fatal Femmes, we don't cover anything that has animal cruelty as a plot point because I feel it's unnecessary personally mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I feel like it desensitizes audiences to animal violence. Sure, yeah. Which just leads two bad things oh absolutely that's and, a good point point. and thankfully here in the u.s a law was just passed that makes animal cruelty a felony fantastic i was wondering Punishable, if that was gonna pass but up to seven years in prison good i'm good. so glad to hear that but anyway so back to the movie we find out why she had to go outside it is because she sets her smoke detector off which has these giant flashing lights and is really really loud because the vibrations have to be able to wake her up if she's asleep and then the lights have to wake her up as well Mm -hmm. so this is like the smoke detector to end all smoke detectors so intense we call this one big bertha (laughs) from now from here on out the fire detector the fire detector the smoke detector is called big bertha that's a good name and again it's it's a it's a character in this movie it really Mm -hmm. is yeah it yeah So Sarah invites her to come over, said that her boyfriend John will be home in an hour and they can watch a movie, but Maddie, who is our protagonist, says that she has to work. She's writing her latest book and is trying to come up with an ending. So Sarah leaves and Maddie goes inside and fixes something else to eat because we see her eating while she's working. Mm -hmm. I wrote down it was a perfect setup for a horror film. Friend invites you over. You decline because you have too much work to do. So now you're all alone. <laughs> yes, and she is. They're like Sarah and John, they don't live too far away, but it's far right. enough. It's not right next door. Like, there is a lot of like land between where their home is, obviously. And she gets a text from Craig and she deletes it. So we know Craig is, there, there's history with, with right. Craig. Definitely. Her face says a lot when she sees the text from him. You can yeah. tell there's some like pain and anguish associated some with Some unresolved him. feelings. Absolutely. This is another place where Mike Flanagan doesn't spoon feed you the plot. Because mm-hmm. it's just like, you don't know who Craig is. You don't ever really know who Craig is. 
but you clearly know her feelings about Craig. Mm-hmm. And they are what? Conflicted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because while she's writing and having a difficult time with the ending of her book, we find out she has seven in- possible endings to this book. She pulls up Skype and calls him and immediately turns it off. Mm-hmm. But he keeps calling back and she keeps denying it or closing her computer. And sometimes she doesn't even notice because there was one point where she had walked away from her computer and obviously she can't hear. So we see her phone is like he's continuing to call her. Um, but yeah, she's ignoring it. Did she do that on purpose? Like she just set her phone down and walked away? It seemed like that was the yeah. choice. Um, like she knew that she had no intention of, of actually like communicating with him. But what uh-huh. this does so clearly is shows us there is nobody coming. She lives alone completely. Absolutely. And she's settled in for the night. She yeah. is. And we do have a great scene with her sister Max. Aww. Oh, yeah. I think she's her sister, right? Do they yeah. ever say? So she says something along the lines of, Mom wanted me to X, Y, Z. That indicates she's her sister okay. because I feel like often if you're referring like to mom to another person, it's like, oh, our mother. Um, so I assume she's her sister and they yeah. seem quite close. And or she could have had two moms. That's true. That's true. That's true. I, I guess this was totally a moment of assumption for me. I'm like, they're either sisters or they're maybe they're related. Or I think at this point in filmmaking, it, it's most yeah. likely sisters. Sure. I was most likely, or I was just mainly being a smart ass. No, but you know, you're right. It, it, it is again, a moment where we're not spoon fed. We do have to make some assumptions and they could be wrong in this case. Um, mm-hmm. No matter what, this is somebody she's very close to, obviously. Yes. Enough that they have nicknames. They do. Squish and squash. So cute. Hence Which, the name of our drink. Yes. I'm like, take a sip now. <laughs> if oh, you I can't I can't because mine is gone it is imbibed consumed and erased that's advertisement for the drink enough it's delicious but right before this happens when Maddie is disposing of her food which not all of it looked like it needed to be thrown away but whatever oh there's a lot for sure. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> well, the, these this is why some people are just healthier than others because they're just like, oh, no, we'll just get rid of all of it while I'm sitting there probably scraping what's good out of the pan. Sure. Because my dad be- believes in no waste. Sure. Yeah. And hey. <laughs> no, I would not waste it. Totally. It's expensive. It yes. is. Well, especially because she was cooking like risotto and rack of lamb. Yeah. Very, very mm-hmm. fancy food. It did look fancy. You you eat the parts that are still good. Yeah, yeah. make it work. That's true. Scrape off the burn. But uh, while I, she's doing this, Sarah runs up and is all bloody and mm, pounding on the door. Mm, screaming. Mm. And this masked guy runs up behind her. Behind her? Behind her. <laughs> this masked guy runs up and stabs her to death repeatedly it's it is so brutal it's very brutal and this is the first shot we have of the masked killer um and his eyes like that's something that was so terrifying about this film is if you look at his eyes they he gets so much joy in what he's doing and that's one of the most terrifying things obviously ever someone who's getting joy in like pure evil like he's delighting oh yeah in the kill absolutely and yeah, just what bothered me the most about this scene was he stabbed her multiple times, and that's not necessarily what's scary. Just they were face to face, and she couldn't move. And he just, he'd already stabbed her. She was already dead, and yeah. he just kept, kept stabbing. Kept doing it. 
Ugh. What's so scary is that Maddie was right there, but she was turned away and she couldn't hear. So, of course, she wouldn't have any idea what was happening right behind her. And she was feet away. Oh, man, we had a conversation right before we started uh, filming this about how nothing good comes from houses in the woods with like really big glass windows and like tall glass doors. It's just a recipe for disaster. One well, horror films, at least. <laughs> yeah. And it's super unsettling in real life. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Because you, you're totally exposed mm-hmm. and you can't see what's out there, but there could be any number of things out in the woods mm-hmm. looking at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back to the first episode that you were on, Laura Ray, in a dark, dark wood. Yes. that The house was just like that. And sure enough, nothing good happened in that house. <laughs> You think it's a great idea, but it's not. It's not. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, man. And this scene was really bloody. Um, this does kind of give us a taste of the fact that this film does have some gore. I mean, I know we've already trigger warning that, but this is a definitely not a blood-free film. <laughs> right. No, this All- is a blood-positive film. <laughs> <laughs> Although for as many times as he stabbed her, there wasn't much blood on the porch or on the window. That's true that we saw. Um, uh, she was very bloody. We s- heard the stabbing, but you're right. There wasn't like, we didn't see like gushing blood out of her. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not a huge fan of that. Yeah. yeah. I don't. Excessive I, gore is not, not cool. I don't like skishy things. Squishy. No, skishy. Skishy. When it makes that. That's squish. That's a squish sound. I know, but to me it sounds like so I call it a skishy sound. Um, skishy. I like that. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah no, that's not a good sound, though. So right in the middle of this really intense scene, we'll take a quick break to talk about the writer and director and star. Yes, Ooh. let's talk about it. So what I was really surprised to find out, well, not only that she was the co-writer of this, but I didn't make the connection that she was Theo in The Haunting of Hill House. Such a great show. So good. If you have not seen that, that, that is something you, you need to watch immediately. She was fantastic as Theo. Yes, she was. It's so good. And then... But he, he also directed that. Right. Mm-hmm. He directed that and he directed Oculus, which was the first horror movie I saw that I thought, oh, horror movies can be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that movie turned horror around for me. It was very good. And he also directed, I think it was the prequel to the... A Ouija board movies? Yes, and he that did that. And that one was very, very good as well. She was in that as oh, well. I haven't seen that. Oh, was she? Yeah, she has. Oh. A, I know she has a part I saw on IMDb. Yeah, it was a great film. I mean, he he's he's got a really great uh, resume. Like, the things that I've seen that he's done have all been very good. Yeah, I like him as a director. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that they seem to work well together, and they work a lot together. That is lovely. So it seems like they both admire the work that they do. Mm-hmm. But I love the fact that they came up with a concept for this film while on a date after they had seen a production of Wait Until Dark. That's so wonderful. Yeah, this is a quote from her from an interview that they did. She said, it was such a strong performance and it was such an interesting story. We were talking about the play, we were talking about the movie, and I was like, I've always wanted to do something like that. Mike had always talked about having a deaf protagonist, and so it sort of started that way. And, you know, so many times when I was watching Hush, I thought about Wait Until Dark because I love that film. Um, I I will need to see a stage production of it because I've only seen the film with Audrey Hepburn. But it's such an interesting story. Um, And there were so many moments where I was reminded of it watching Hush. 
It is. It's a very suspenseful play. It's lots of fun. My friend Karen played the lead role in a community uh, theater production years ago. Um, her and my friend Brian were the leads. Oh. And they were so good. It's probably to date my favorite thing that I've seen her in. And yeah, they did a good job of just staging that to be super scary. It is. But I think it's probably written into the text as well because it was just so well done. That's Absolutely. one of my dream roles. Yeah. What is the character's name? Susie. Susie. Um, but also, she's a Shakespearean actor. Oh, talk about it. Ooh. Um, after she graduated, she performed with both the Washington Shakespeare Company and the Folger Theater. And I don't know if y'all are familiar with the Folger Theater or not. They, they're a big Shakespeare thing, and they produce these books that are Shakespeare's plays. But on each page, they've got like a dictionary that tells you the meanings of certain words that we may not use now or what the difference in the terms would have been back in Shakespeare's time versus now. So they're really great additions. So I love it when theater companies do that. I'm reviewing, I'm writing a review for a show right now that I just saw this weekend and they did the same thing in the program. They had a couple words that were used quite prevalently throughout the show and they had kind of a little glossary set so you could know what that meant. And I think it's a great way to make to make Shakespearean theater more accessible to theater goers because I think a lot of people get a little intimidated or turned off by Shakespeare because the language can be different but when you truly have an understanding of the text it makes the it makes the experience more fun and you understand why Shakespeare is so popular so I love it when theater companies do that that's a really smart choice um I don't know that I've ever seen a theater do that but I love that that idea because it, it can be very challenging, even when someone is doing a very wonderful job of putting up a Shakespeare show, to understand every word. Some, some of the words don't, it's, it's hard to find like context clues to have them make sense. So Sure. I think, and I think just for productions, a lot of times actors would benefit from that. Because sometimes yes. actors don't know what they're saying. Truth. So if you are looking to read some Shakespeare or you have a high school student who is going to be reading Shakespeare, look for the Folger editions of the Shakespeare plays because they will have that glossary on each page. Love it. Whenever I find an actor that I really love, nine times out of ten there's a theater background. And I've really been impressed by the work that she's done. I think she's going to be somebody that we're going to see probably get very popular yeah. in the next few years. I think there's like she's had so many great roles, but I think she's she's due a breakout role and I could totally see her being an Oscar contender. Oh, oh. sure. Yeah. Like she's, she's gonna win Emmys and Golden Globes she's for sure. Fantastic. I agree. Yeah. I'm not one of those people that says, oh I'll see whatever a person is in. I will see whatever she does. But I will definitely at least keep giving them uh you know, until they start proving that they can't do stuff if that happens. But um, yeah, if, if I see their name on something, I will be like, hmm, let's check this one out. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah, Mike Flanagan as a director, I really like his stuff. Me too. It's good. And just a little trivia about her, because I think this is cool. She found out that she was pregnant while she was filming Haunting of Hill House. And so she named her daughter Theodora after her character. Do you know what episode she was filming when she found out she was pregnant? Are you going to tell us? I am. It was episode six when they do the really long shot, that that really, um, that long continuous shot at where she falls. And so she was falling all day and she was kind of like, I wonder, well, let me just, you know, take a test and turned out she was pregnant. And then Mike Flanagan would joke about how he had his pregnant wife thrown on the ground all day. 
a blast of all the episodes. That's so crazy. Yeah, I'm like, that would be the thing, because I'm sure that was like a massive undertaking as it was. But sure. oh, just by the way, your wife's pregnant. So. PT dub. Yeah. You know. By the way, you know how you've been feeling a little funny? This is why. This is why. <laughs> so just, you know, fall on the ground. Goodness. So back to the movie. Um, this is when we get the call with Max. Mm-hmm. And it's such a cute, such a great interaction. I really, mm. really love that scene. It's the only time we see Max. We don't hear from her again. But yeah, I really liked it. And I thought it was nice to include it. And again, another one of those times where we get a little bit of information. We get that she has decided to move out there on her yeah. own. Mm-hmm. That her family wants her to move back to the city. But she said the city's too noisy. Mm-hmm. And she says a line that I I wrote down because I liked it so much. Um, because her because Max is indicating that she feels like she's too isolated, and she, uh, Maddie says that isol like isolation picked her that she didn't pick it. Um, and that obviously she's talking in a broader sense about probably the way she feels oftentimes because you know she's deaf. And so I just thought that was like such a large statement. Like it's obviously relating to. She's isolated where she's located, but she probably feels isolated in a lot of ways. Um, ah, so it's like a situation of the s- scenario, the location matching the feeling. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's that, that's what I thought when I heard her say that because there was like a lot of pain like, in her face when she was signing that. And mm-hmm. so it made me think that she was talking about more than just, you know, where she's located or right. more than just they had mentioned her ex-boyfriend. Um, it seems like they didn't say for sure, but Max says something along the lines of you haven't been back out there since him and so that indicates to us obviously they had a romantic relationship at some point um but even though she references that i still do think that there's there's more to her isolation comment than just maybe she's feeling sad about her (laughs) ex-boyfriend right well to think about having your hearing and then losing it oh gosh yeah that would be very isolating because there are people in your life unless you have a community of people that have the same abilities that you have Mm -hmm. around you, then people just, they they wouldn't be able to understand that. Right. Completely. Of course. So that would be isolating. And she even mentions that she gets on a a dating website for um, deaf individuals. And she's like, there's four men in my area (laughs) joking that it's like, not like she has like this like wide range of people to, to choose from. (laughs) Right. Right. So yeah, that is an interesting how the feeling of isolation has manifested in this very mm-hmm. isolated location. Mm-hmm. Truth. And what happens next? Max says, what's that? I saw something move behind you. And she's like, oh, it's a cat. I got to go find her. We know that it's not bitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I keep that forgetting that's the cat's name. <laughs> You're just like, Lacey, what? <laughs> Wait, who's bitch? Uh, the masked intruder has been standing. He is a bitch. Yeah. But like in the worst way, not in the like Like fun. how men use it to degrade women. Yeah. That's yeah. what a bitch he is. That's what I was trying to think of a word to call him. Ooh. That would. I wrote down a like, lot of curse words about him. It's not bitch. It's. Jerky McJerk face. Yeah. I use the F word a lot in my notes. Oh. I will not say them. <laughs> All my F word notes here. It's okay. But. We've changed our rating to explicit. explicit. So you can say so can whatever drop you them. want. So cool. you just let us have it. Unleash. Unload. I'll try to be sparing so I'm not like, I don't, don't go overkill. But if there's a good one, I'll, I'll definitely let it out. I figure we talk about dark subjects and stuff yeah. that you're probably not going to be listening to this with your kids sure. anyway. So uh, If you are, that is a cool ass kid. That's true. Yeah. Or you're a cool ass parent. 
or truth, your cat your kid needs therapy <laughs> <laughs> or you do or all of the above There's so many things That's, welcome to our podcast we all need therapy <laughs> yeah oh on that note i'm thinking about starting a new thing called life lessons with laura oh Aww, my god like what are your lessons do you have one for us right now what's Today- your Today's lesson was do what brings you joy, even if it's laughing at stupid jokes, because I posted a really stupid joke. Okay, no. She posted this joke on Facebook a few weeks ago, and I'm still laughing about it. It was about the peach gobbler. Oh my gosh, you guys have to tell it now. I'm going to have to find it, but it was something like mom came came upstairs and said, don't mess with the peach cobbler uh, or it's something about not messing with the peach cobbler but I didn't listen I went down and I watched him make his stupid shoes out of peaches <laughs> and I told him how stupid it was but he just kept working <laughs> that's adorable it's so dumb that's I laughed good. at that for way too long that's, yeah. that's Laura Cannon in a joke that I is the funniest that. thing and I still like I'll think about peach cobbler like I watched a show today and someone talked about peach cobbler the dessert but I'm just like <laughs> Just imagine this angry little cobbler making shoes out of peaches. I think it said something about he glared at me as I said, your shoes are stupid. Nobody will wear those. That's too funny. That's a great life lesson. I liked that. Ah, the sounds of the city. As you can tell, we are not in an isolated cabin somewhere. Never. No. I I could never do it. I've I've watched too many scary things. As much as I love nature, I couldn't I couldn't live in it. I I would freak myself out too much. Just never go with your friends to a cabin in the woods. But like but one yes. friend, right? Yeah, usually you're okay if it's, it's like just, just two people. But if you have a a, like a gaggle of people, a you're all gonna of, die. A gaggle of gals. Yeah, or anyone, anybody. Maybe, yeah, just a, if there's like a group, and if they're you guys are bringing alcohol and there's like weird sexual tension between certain people and like you're unresolved. all gonna die yeah everyone's gonna die <laughs> unresolved issues <laughs> underlying sexual tension yeah absolutely and alcohol means death yeah have you guys seen cabin in the woods have you guys seen cabin in the woods yeah i have great, it that's such a great movie you never saw that one no i think you explained the plot to me but i never watched it because i was like i know what happens <laughs> it's really fun it's also kind of dumb but i really like it but like what it's fun is it dumb it's do fun it, do it brings you joy even if it's stupid yeah yeah it's fun it's a lot of fun that's I like what Justin. i tell myself daily that's anyway here Ooh, no i'm yeah. just kidding so she hangs up with max goes looking for the cat we know it's not the cat and she can't find the cat surprise then she starts getting text messages right yeah she sits back down to start writing again and she oh, gets yeah. a picture from her phone from sarah from sarah's phone Sarah's phone is sending her text messages. I thought her phone no, was sending it's, her it's, text it's, it's messages. Her, it's her phone. It's her own phone. How is it sending her? Because she's, he stole her phone. Like one of the things we see a shot of him grabbing her phone at one point. Yeah, yeah. He grabs it. Oh my God. I so, thought it was from Sarah's phone. So that's no. why she's so scared because it's her phone. And she's getting it on her computer. Yeah. yeah. And oh because he, they, they have this one shot where we see his hand grab her red phone. No, I remember that that happened. I didn't know Oh, God, that makes so much more sense. Yeah. So it's like, how is my phone sending me a picture? And then it's pictures of her walking around the house. Yeah. Looking for the cat. And then a picture of her looking at her computer. Like, right in that moment. That was mm-hmm. the scariest one. Like, she's looking at these pictures, and her facial expression is, are so terrifying. Like, yeah. she is, she's realizing what's going on, and she, it's like utter terror. And she's so fast, too, because she looks up, she sees him standing there by the open door, yeah. and she somehow gets that locked before he can get to it. Yeah, because they both fast. they both make a run for it, and she gets there first. Mm-hmm. So now it's on. Yeah. 
everyone's out of the woodwork like we know what's happening Mm -hmm. and he taunts with her a bit but i think she does a really cool thing he cuts the power and obviously she's terrified but she takes a tube of lipstick from her purse and writes on the window won't tell didn't see your face boyfriend coming home yes And so far, he's had a mask on, um, and it's really creepy mask. Like covers his whole face. It's like a white. You Is know. it a ski mask? Um, it's like it reminds me of. Have you guys seen that movie, The Strangers? Um, there's been a lot of movies where they're like masked oh, yeah. people, where they have just the really creepy masks that cover a lot of their face. We can see his eyes very well. Yeah. Um, but so far, he's been masked, and I think masked, you know, killers are terrifying. I mean, we've seen so many of those, like like Michael Myers and jason and you know et cetera, et cetera. Well, but it takes away any humanity yeah absolutely and then there's something too about the mystery of not knowing who someone is mm-hmm. like not even knowing if they're human sometimes you know like we just we don't know at all sure but um. but also <laughs> you know and i assume that this is partly because of movies and stuff but also i think as women we know this because of just different safety things that we've heard if you see somebody's face that means that's a lot worse yeah right. it means that the likelihood that you're going to survive is much smaller um that the person intends to to, to kill you usually you right know, unfortunately that you seeing their face wouldn't be a problem right yes yeah so when he reads her message and then takes his mask mm. off mm. is such a chilling moment because you know that this is him like letting her know he's ready he's gonna kill her yeah, yeah. Like, and he has this little smirk on his face, like the whole movie. He's just, mm. John Gallagher Jr., who he started off as a Broadway actor. He's the original Moritz in Spring Awakening. Lovely. Um, So has a very, very good singing voice, as well as being very good at playing a masked slash unmasked killer. Brilliant. Yeah. So again, theater actor. And it's like, you can tell he is just t- delighting in this. Oh my gosh. Because he, this isn't his first time. Yes. He was also in, um, is it 10 Cloverfield Lane? 11 Cloverfield Lane? Mm. Um, he was such a different character in that. He was like so sweet and so like s- kind of just like endearing. Um, oh, just, I saw that. Yeah, like just a very simple, like endearing, sweet guy yeah um so different than this character which is always cool to see someone do polar opposite roles yeah it speaks to him as an actor that he's able to pull off yes both roles very well he does but it's like i always seem always with the villains who's ever playing the big bad a lot of times they end up being some of the nicest people i know so i wonder that's true i bet i bet he probably is but back in when he is the man which he is credited as i was gonna ask if he was given a name i hope not because he's just the man yeah absolutely Um, that makes sense but yeah this is not his first time he has definitely done this before he's letting her know what's gonna happen and is it at this point that he tells her i won't come in until you are until you want me to until you're ready to die yeah he's like once you wish you were dead that's when i'll come inside Mm-hmm. Um, so he's incredibly narcissistic and arrogant. Like he mm-hmm. feels like he is untouchable. He's because, a hunter. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like that—that's one of the things about him that I, 
I think is also like, I mean, I know narcissism comes a lot of times with like, isn't it with psychopaths? Um, there's like extreme narcissism. Sociopaths. Okay. Um, I think it can be president psychopaths as well, but sociopaths. Okay. Yeah. He's so arrogant. He is convinced that he is going to like have some fun, like draw this out. He knows how this is going to go. Yeah. And kill her when he's ready. Once he's made her so scared and he's gotten all the pleasure he can get out of it. Um, until she's ready for death. Yeah. Well, and he knows because he overheard her conversation with Max Mm -hmm. that she's alone and no one's Mm -hmm. coming. I've just Mm -hmm. had a realization, Max and Maddie, that's really cute. Those are the names of Mike Flanagan's niece and nephew. No, that is really sweet. So that's why, that's how those characters got their name. So he knows that she doesn't have a boyfriend, that no one's coming, that she lives alone, which that was a lot of information to give in that conversation, which again was very well done and yeah. wasn't like boring exposition. Like, it oh, wasn't. you live alone. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Again, very good writing. And yeah, he actually like quotes how, she, how he lets her know that, that he is very aware that she's alone mm-hmm. is he quotes something that Max had said about her being by herself. I um, mean, you know, have being isolated. Oh, yeah, and he's doing all of this after he establishes that she can read lips. Mm-hmm. He, oh, yep. He knows that she's deaf because mm-hmm. after he killed Sarah, he tapped on the window mm-hmm. and she didn't turn around. Mm-hmm. Right. And he was curious as he was, like, stabbing her because he was, like, staring at Maddie and noticing that she was not even flinching. She wasn't turning around. There was no... And that was obviously very loud what was happening. So I think he was starting to put the pieces together. I'm curious if he made a, a more conscious effort to be loud Mm -hmm. to see if it would make her turn around yeah yeah he seemed very interested in that part of his sickness too is just that i think finding things like that probably like make this makes this kill you know more interesting quote unquote that you know that it's someone you know it's not just someone who has all of their senses about them you know like he just seems like the kind of sick person that would find like joy and like ooh, this is like different yeah Um, i'm gonna fuck with her in other ways because of this this is more fun well this is what makes it so sick is it's probably like an art form to him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's because if it's something that he finds this a deep amount of pleasure and it would be something like you know how people go and watch different types of theater or go Mm -hmm. to different types of museums instead of something like that Mm -hmm. it's it's the kill for him right yeah it's the victim she finds a hammer she gets a knife she barricades herself in her room and this is just so creepy to me when he props sarah's body Mm. up and uses Mm. her hand to like Mm. knock on the window yeah Mm. well this is i think where he's starting the emotional torture and torment where this is like what what he means when he says i'm not going to come inside till you're ready to die yeah Mm -hmm. And so she remembers Sarah putting her phone in her back pocket as she walked away. Yeah, I was like, she's so smart um, because she comes up with this plan. And I always think about like, what would I do in these situations? Mm -hmm. I, you know, I hope that I, I wouldn't just like go like, you know, just freeze and have no uh, decision making abilities. But I'm so impressed with um, how brave she is Mm because she does. She makes a plan as soon as she realizes the phone is in her back pocket. She makes the plan to set off her car alarm, which is genius. Genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it makes him go outside. Genius. Yeah. It makes him go outside to see what's going on and gives her a chance to try to get the phone. She's also able to injure him at this point because 
She slams his fingers in the windows when he tries to get in, and then she digs the pronged part of the hammer into his arm. But she loses the hammer in the process. She yeah. does. Yeah. And that's why you, when you stab someone, you got to make sure and get it back. <laughs> I've was, seen a couple movies where, I'm sorry to interrupt, but there, I've seen a couple movies where people have not retracted the knife or whatever they stab someone with. I'm like, you got to take that with you. Take it back. Like in the original Halloween when Jamie Lee Curtis stabs, and she's just like, and oh! then she like throws the knife away. I'm like, no, you gotta hold on to that. You got this isn't over, girl. No. He shows her that he has Sarah's phone, and he takes a souvenir. He takes Sarah's earring and puts it in his pocket. Another thing that will come into play later. Um, I did want to say that I wrote down when she like, it was a was it a hammer that she slammed into him, or an axe? It was uh, a-, a hammer. The the, yeah, the prong back part. part of the hammer. I said, Yas Queen, accent or axe in the arm or hammer in the arm. You didn't expect that, did you, bitch? <laughs> With a bunch of um, uh, exclamation points. At this point, I was feeling really angry at him. Of course, obviously. Yeah, sure. So, no one ever expects uh, the prongy part of a hammer in their forearm. And also, I just don't think he expected her to fight back. Like, I think he, again, his arrogance, you know? Yeah, I think he thought he had her sized up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she tries a bunch of different ways to escape. Right. Mm-hmm. She throws her flashlight mm-hmm. out into the woods, which she throws it really far. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could throw I it that far. I thought that was far. smart, too. I mean, she's, man, she's she's trying a lot of things. Yeah, because she gets him to go after it, but then he comes back. Mm-hmm. And where is she at that she's point? She's under the porch. Right. He finds or no she starts off running and he shoots the crossbow at her but he doesn't get her Mm -hmm. she runs back into the house i mean she's fast Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. this is the part where i would die because i'm not fast. yeah me either so one thing i was thinking about when we were watching this was what if the whole movie was silent like from her perspective Mm. and i was reading and i'll link to the article but he actually did think about that but he thought it would take people out of the movie because then they would be hearing their surroundings. It wouldn't be like it was totally silent because, you know, they'd still hear the corn, the corn, the horn honking outside mm-hmm. and or traffic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they'd be hearing that and it wouldn't help them focus on the movie. So he decided not to do that. Sure. Because um, my mom actually asked me that question, too, when... I was rewatching it with her. She's like, what if it was silent? And I get what he's saying about why he chose not to do that. And even why he chose not to have her scenes completely silent. Like when we go into her head, there's still like this kind of hum it's or like a swish sound almost, it like almost in the distance. Like um, the sound of when your head's underwater, but there's no additional sound. Yes. Just like that. Mm-hmm. So he wanted it to be like a um, a sound that closed over you, but didn't allow you to really experience other things. And I mm. thought that was a really good choice. Yeah. Agreed. And also, I wanted to talk real quick about the sound designer and the music, because I thought it was done so well, um, like how certain things were louder to make us realize that she can't hear these things yep. mm-hmm. and how the music it's not overpowering and it doesn't sometimes they'll use music too much to like play to your emotions or to tell you when the jump scare is coming mm-hmm. the but tension. they didn't do that i just thought it was used very well to build the tension mm-hmm. it does it builds dread and suspense very well but it was still underlying like mm-hmm. it's a slow burn rather than a 
Right. I never became distracted by the music. Or it didn't like it wasn't like she walked through a doorway and all of a sudden it was like. Eh. I, th- I think sound design is so important in horror films, and I agree. This one does. The sound designer does a fantastic job, mm-hmm. and the score is really beautiful and it's very subtle, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, never for a moment did it overpower or yeah did it let on when a scare would come and I agree I don't like when that happens um I mean there's I'm sure there's occasions where it's okay but overall I prefer subtle sound design the last movie that we talked about the file on Thelma Jordan there was a scene where all of a sudden the music goes into like this syrupy stuff and like like, lovey-dovey like what you would hear like on father of the bride or something like that and it's like what this is supposed to be like a film noir and you're giving me like June Cleaver. <laughs> and it was it was really weird and it was like, oh, okay, well, this is the romantic part now, obviously. Guess they're going to fall in love. I never got that like, oh, I'm supposed to be feeling this way now. Oh, the music saying, oh, I'm supposed to be doing this. It would seem to fit this, you know, the situations that more speaks... than being manipulative. Yeah, that <laughs> speaks to Mike Flanagan as a filmmaker too because I'm sure he had his hand in a few pods. Of course. So nothing is force fed to you it's very much like take it as you will make what you will out of it yep and the music was done by the newton brothers and i the I, newton brothers yeah mm-hmm. any kin to the newton boys i don't know uh, <laughs> bank robber fame <laughs> and our first movie experience oh yes fun fatal films trivia Laura and I were extras in the newton boys which shot here in austin that is so cool yeah i don't know if i knew that Fun fact. That is a fun fact. You can kind of see us in for like half a second. Yep, in the movie scene when they go to the movies. Nice. They shot in the Paramount. I'm up on the balcony kind of area and Laura walks right in front of the camera. Love it. Matthew McConaughey gave Lacey a bottle of water because she passed out. That's how I remember it, but I've come to realize in my heat stroke, did I make that up? I don't know. I wasn't on the balcony with you. So. I passed out? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got... So when they were filming the movie, it was in August. Oh, God. But they couldn't have the air, air conditioning running because it affected the sound. Funny, we're talking about mm-hmm. sound and the Newton Brothers. This all ties in perfectly. We planned this. Yeah. But... Um, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. So... And it was a winter scene. So we were all in heavy vintage wool coats and like gloves and hats and scarves and thick dresses and socks and shoes and I was in a scene with two other women who were playing my mother and my grandmother. And um, we were supposed to be like meeting grandma at the movies kind of thing. Yeah, just it got so overwhelmingly hot that I I guess I turned beet red and I blacked out for a minute. And when I came to, there were ADs. Um, Matthew McConaughey was there. And even the young boy that was filming with them that day came over and asked if I was okay. Oh, my gosh, Lacey. That's so crazy. And then um, because I had um, gotten so hot, my makeup had come off, which for kids, I was eight at the time. They didn't do a lot of makeup, but they had to come over because I was just, I was cherry. I was cherry red. So they just came over and gave me a little foundation and powdered me. So Lara's downstairs sweating bullets with the little girl that she's walking with. And she says she looks up and she just sees me getting the star treatment like I'm getting water and someone's fanning me and someone's applying my makeup. And I felt, it felt right. It felt right. So goodness gracious, my whole life has just been working to get back to that point. I'll tell you what, the Texas heat—it's—it doesn't mess around. It's yeah. something else. No, I was—I kind of feel like that was an oversight when they were shooting. It's like, well, yeah, you're I gonna mean, have kids in this summer heat and no AC. 
That's not. Yeah, there were yeah. some <laughs> some problems with planning uh, in regards to you. Yeah, you can't turn off the AC in in uh, August when you're you have people working. Um, that it's, there's a likelihood that someone will pass out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I found out that that was one of Richard Linklater's first movies. Oh wow, that was a Richard Linklater mm-hmm. film. Oh, I didn't yeah. realize that. And he's done a couple films with some of our friends, so that's yeah. really mm-hmm. cool to think about. That we we were the first. We were there first. Our first on camera <laughs> experience. I don't believe I met. I don't think Richard Linklater came up and checked on me, but his AD did. Nice, nice. But all of this was secondhand because my mom, my mom in quotation marks, and when I who I was filming with, she was telling me who all these people was because I had no clue. Sure. And she's like, "That's the assistant director. That's Matthew McConaughey." <laughs> That's Juliana Margulies. Like, I had no clue. So I had no clue what a big deal it was that Matthew McConaughey was even in my area. Oh, my gosh. I love that. I don't love that you passed out, though. That's terrible. Oh, no. It ended up being a great thing. That's fine. (laughs) It worked out. And thus began my long history of getting overheated. Oh, man. Well, if you live live where we live, it's it's not a hard thing to do. Yeah. But, yeah, so sound. The Newton Sound. brothers. They did a good job. Um, yeah. They they also have worked with Mike Flanagan a lot. They did Haunting of Hill House, uh, Doctor Sleep, which I found out he just did, and I really want to see. Me too. Yeah, yeah. And I think she might have some role in it, or she's very supportive because her Instagram is full of Aww. plugging the movie. So, nice. I mean, she might be very supportive. I would do that for my husband, but yeah. I kind of hope she has like a little little bit. A part in it too, yeah. yeah a little ditto. part. Uh, yeah. Okay, so. But it sounds like. We are getting to maybe the final part of the movie. We are. It's not that this is a really short movie. It's just that because there's so little dialogue, it's faster to talk about what happens. It's actually pretty short. It's an hour 25-ish, which is, to me, I love that length. I'm like, mwah, beautiful. Oh, yeah, my attention span. It's That's the perfect length of a horror film for me. But it is, I mean, in, technically that is kind of a short movie these days. So fun fact about the, about Hush is there's only 18 minutes of dialogue. Love it. 70 minutes is completely without. Brilliant. So I think the thing is, is yeah, you're right. It's not like a super short movie. It's a perfect length for me. But I think there's so much nuance that mm-hmm. you can't really go into that unless you wanted this to be a three-hour podcast. Mm-hmm. You can't get into that as much. Mm-hmm. Roger Ebert thought the movie was too long <laughs> what <laughs> what in the world did overall he, did he not like it no overall he liked it but he wasn't a huge fan of it and i'll link to his review in the show oh notes. he says well, i see that better as a short film i disagree <laughs> i disagree as well but that's okay to each their own yeah stephen king liked it <gasps> that's nice oh and a fun piece of trivia there is also a stephen king book on like her bedside table or something that is also Ooh. about a mass killer that we don't know their intentions mm. Mm-mm. called mr mr mercedes mr mercedes i really thought the scene where the scene where her sarah's boyfriend shows up i loved that scene that's so much. the next thing we're talking oh, about oh beautiful yeah, okay you're right great. wonderful i no. didn't know if i was too far because that scene oh my god I love that scene it was so scene. much it was so close <sighs> she was so close it was like it just left you with thriller blue balls because yes. you just knew she was so close to being saved she was and you I just, I love that, that actor, whoever he was, like, Michael Truco. Yeah, you see the recognition in his face. You see 
everything in his face. He's like realizing what's going on. He's trying to make a plan. He's super suspicious, but he doesn't want to let on that he's really suspicious. It's it's just brilliant, like face acting and like body reaction. Yeah. With not a lot of dialogue. Yeah, because he shows up to the cabin looking for Sarah because this is Sarah's boyfriend, John, or her husband, John. I don't know if they say. Yeah. She's, Sarah says boyfriend. Boy, yeah, okay. boyfriend. Yeah. So this is boyfriend, John. So boyfriend, John shows up at the cabin and um, Maddie has no idea because she's just been shot in the mm-hmm, leg mm-hmm. with an arrow. He got her because it was another escape attempt and she failed, but she got his crossbow. And pushed him off the roof. Yeah, she, so he got pushed off the roof. Mm-hmm. She got shot in the leg, but she has his crossbow, but she's bleeding out. But also something we see on the crossbow is a bunch of little notches. Ugh. So it leads you to believe again in the storytelling that He's a serial killer. Yeah. 100%. This yeah. is this is not the first time and it won't be the last. Yeah. There's 13 notches. Ugh. 13. Okay. Oh, God. So. And she also doesn't know how to use a crossbow, which I was like, of course oh, you wouldn't. Yeah. Like, who would know that unless you had a crossbow? And so I'm glad that they like show us her like trying to figure Brilliant it out. Brilliant face acting. <laughs> yes. It, like yes. you feel the pain. I know. I'm so frustrated for her because I'm like, yes, girl, I wouldn't know either. I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> And when she pours the rubbing alcohol on the arrow uh, wound. Yeah, and she just, because the act, Kate mm. Siegel does such a great job because she never makes a sound, mm. but just like the tiny little ones that escape her, mm-hmm. like when mm-hmm. that happens. So you know how bad it has to hurt for her being able to touch sound when she can't oh, make yeah. sound. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Um, but anyway, so boyfriend John shows up knocking on the door. Of course, she has no clue because she's upstairs in the bathroom trying mm-hmm. to load this crossbow bow mm-hmm. to save her life. Mm-hmm. And the man impersonates a police officer, a plainclothes police officer, and does it super so, convincingly. I know. I was like, I hate to give him any credit, but I'm like, that's pretty genius because well, you don't have a weapon and this guy is like pretty big. And so like, I think he knows he can't like take him, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, but you can also give the the credit to the actor because yes, yes. like John Gallagher Jr. just sells this. Oh yeah. Perfect. 100%. Yeah. Like it was, it's like he's always been that. Yes. Yeah. There yes. was no question because I mean, John does not question. He has such this. He has such an authoritative presence, like this is common day and nothing out of the ordinary. But um, yeah, so he gets John to give him a bunch of information and gives him his phone, Mm -hmm. and it's at that point starts to like get suspicious you can see he's getting suspicious because the story started to fall apart like oh this is my first day or oh you know i haven't been doing this too long and i didn't want to like call it in i don't want to like get you know written up for this and i think he's i feel like he's suspicious from the beginning but he's also sort of just in shock too because what a craziest thing to like roll up to you know so he does give him his phone but i feel like he's always just like a little suspicious and then that grows and grows yeah by the fact that yeah his story is falling apart and the one big thing that like totally lets him know something's wrong is the earring falls out yeah, he of sees, the man's pocket yeah the man doesn't notice but john does this that sarah's earring falls out of his pocket and it's at this point that he tells the man that there is a key in like a little hide key mm-hmm. like a rock and smart he grabs a rock from the porch that's in like a planner mm-hmm but mm. Maddie sees him and knocks on the window. I mean, I don't know that this would have turned out different if she hadn't have distracted him. I don't know. Yeah, because it's such a knee-jerk thing. You're like, hey, 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 I'm in here. But yeah, because the man convinces him that they have both taken off. The man already has his knife ready to go. He does, that's true. And 
when just, he, John turns his head to look at Maddie, I just turned my head. Mm-hmm. Um, just slits the carotid artery. Yeah. yeah. And Ugh. he's going, shh, it's over. It's done. But John fights with his last he breath. He sure does, man. He like, like, he like almost like takes him out in his like dying last breath, you know? Yeah. Cause it's, I was shocked that he lasted that he long. Me too. Because I thought you bled out incredibly fast, but I mean, and you do, cause that whole scene probably took 30 seconds, but he gets him down and I think he probably could have killed him. Yeah. He was close. But I think the man just got lucky. Mm-hmm. And it's at this point where we see Maddie playing out how these different scenarios could go. I yeah, love be- this scene. Because at first they don't tell you that's what she's doing. So you just see her run out and then she's getting her face smashed in with a brick. I had forgotten about that. And so I watched the scene this morning when I was rewatching the film. You're like, I was like, no, wait, this this isn't right. And I, was like, I don't oh, remember yeah. any I of know. this. I was like, what happened to my brain? Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's her kind of imagining what could happen if she made certain choices. And she's tough with herself. She's like, look, you can either bleed out and die. Mm-hmm. You can go get murdered. Or you can fight. Because they were like, they were basically, I think she came up with three options, was it? She Mm -hmm. said, you can't wait, you can't hide, and you can't run. So the only option left is to fight. Yeah. Well, no, what she says, the only option is to kill him. Kill him. Oh, yeah, kill him. Yes, queen. (laughs) Yeah, because doesn't she, doesn't she sign kill him? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which and that is such a good scene mm-hmm. where she's talking to herself because I love that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's just pep talking herself. She is. She's like, this isn't gonna work. I mean, you could do this, but you're gonna die if you do this. You're gonna die. Like, we have to like, you know, she's pretty much just like talking herself out of giving up, which is really, yeah, it's a really powerful scene. This is a lot of times like you'll hear a lot of motivational speakers or people that talk to people for whatever reason. They'll talk about this. It's like people that are in dire situations don't ever like go, I'm in a dire situation. Oh no. And and start judging the situation going, this means this. They constantly are in a creative process where it's, yeah. they're constantly trying to figure out, okay, well that didn't work. So what can I try? It's like all these people that get um, like stuck and they're having to survive in the woods. It, mm-hmm. it becomes not about like, oh, I'm lost. That means I'm going to die. Because if you get in that mindset, you you will die. Right. It becomes about, okay, what can I do? What's yeah. the next step? Kind of like in Frozen 2, if you haven't seen it, she has this great little song where she talks about the next right step. But that's kind of what it is. Nice. And so he gets the tire iron out of her car and he's talking to John. I love it, but it's a messed up scene. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. He's just shooting the shit with yeah, he's still dead John. John's dead cigarettes and... Um, yeah, he's like, what do you think, John? Yeah, let's wait until she bleeds out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, because he even says something like, you almost had me. I was worried there for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and s- this is when bitch comes up. I know. And, and I wrote, don't you touch that cat, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't touch thought, bitch. My first thought was, my cats wouldn't let anybody touch them. They would be like, who are you? Get away. <laughs> I was really hoping he'd be like a murderous fiend, but also love animals. Yeah. Oh. Like he'd just yeah. be like, hi, kitty. Once I murder her, you can come home with me. But <laughs> of course it's not that. Of course he's going to use the cat. Yeah. Yeah. And he's saying something like, whoa, you'll see your mommy soon when you're nailed to the front door. And then she shoots him with the crossbow. Oh, it's brilliant. I'm like, yes, cat. You saved the day. You distracted him. So... I love I love that scene. Oh, it me made too. me so happy. I me almost too. like jumped up and cheered. And she, it was a oh, good yeah. shot for not being like, you know, familiar with the crossbow. Where I mean, did she get him? She got him like right in the shoulder. I mean, she right hit, she hit bo- she hit body. Yeah. That's yeah. impressive. She hit body. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, yeah, you 
such a dumb thing. Just, yeah, just me being like somebody who has no experience at all with weapons. I and probably would have shot the cat. Oh, God, I would have missed so like, terribly. Oh, no, kill me now. I know. And who knows? Maybe she does have some experience with weapons of some type. We don't know that about her. But she might. She might. But as someone who has no experience, I'm always like, man, you you did a great job if, if you get like anywhere near the target. <laughs> yeah, so... He is shot like probably right in that joint where the yeah. shoulder meets meets mm-hmm. the body connects to the body the shoulder bone connects to that whatever bone that is mm-hmm. but um yeah so he is injured but obviously not injured enough mm-hmm. and she has another arrow or something as she's running to the house she drops it and she sticks her hand out the sliding mm. oh, door this is the worst oh I oh the scene I can't watch it I know he, I had to fast forward he too. slams her hand in the door and then he steps on her hand mm. and mm. her hand it's kind of funny looking if you're not thinking about how painful it would be because her hand is just all mingle mangled yeah uh, yeah and she's just I mean she's probably in shock because of the pain and yeah. she's just like sitting there with her hand and crying and he tells her that he's coming in or something and she just rolls over and gives him this kind of half smile and stands up and sticks her finger into the the arrow wound and writes in her own blood on the door do it coward she uses her own leg as an ink pot she sure does and her face at that point she's just like try me like, try me she writes do it coward <laughs> i know and she knows it'll get him really angry and it does like he he feeds right into that because he's an egomaniac obviously and so he's he starts to beat the glass in at that point which uh, she has some really strong glass because i expected it to just shatter ditto, immediately ditto. and he hits it a bunch of he times does. and in that time i thought it was really sad it actually made me tear up a little bit when she um writes in her laptop like goodbyes to her family and she says that she she died fighting and that made me tear up i was like oh my gosh but she's so she's so matter of fact about it it feels like a task on a to-do list yes she puts all of the characteristics about him like his height his weight what he looks Mm -hmm. like um any distinguishing marks and then yeah she types a little just very short little note and continues on yes i love that she wrote out the specs i'd forgotten that um because that's so smart (laughs) yeah it's like she was thinking about this and you know when she was kind of planning this out in her head this was probably part of the plan yeah yeah and then we get what i think has to be my favorite shots of the whole movie so she goes and she barricades herself in the bathroom again oh Mm. yeah and we see her and she's has her knife pointed at the door and like her vision Mm. is going because she's still bleeding out from the arrow in her thigh Mm -hmm. yeah and and now she's got her hand that's all broken and so the pain is probably unimaginable and she probably could just pass out from that yeah Mm -hmm. and you see behind her something moving out of focus it looks like water and then you see something dark and what you realize is that he's broken the window in the bathroom and Mm -hmm. has jumped into the bathtub behind her Mm. yeah Mm. and the sound at this time too is back into that weird kind of underwatery all-encompassing from Mm -hmm. her perspective perspective yeah and then we kind of like suck back out and we see him there and he's talking to her and he breathes just a little too hard. He, well, it's, he's not breathing. He laughs. He like kind oh, of yeah. scoffs. He's like, huh. and it hit that air. Mm. That breath hits the back of her neck. And she just, first of all, she knows what way to dodge. Which is brilliant. Yeah. And then brings that knife back around. Oh, and stabs him in the leg. Right yeah. in the leg. We need to get, we need to get something like real, real 
damaging, but we haven't gotten there, but it's okay. So she runs downstairs. Again, she's still not doing well. She's kind of falling. Um, yeah, she's stumbling. She's, she's running out of time at this point. And she falls down next to the kitchen sink. And she, I wrote, she plays possum. Um, yeah. Because she's just kind of sitting there like she's done. She's given up. She's yeah. almost dead. Mm-hmm. And when he comes up, she sprays him in the eyes with hornet spray. Genius. Which I'm like, that's so smart. That yeah. would hurt so bad. <laughs> yeah. Right Never in the eyes. underestimate the power of like household cleaners and things like that. Because I think about it all the time. Yes. Yeah. Because it's like that's something that I think about if someone were to break in. I would go right for the hairspray, right for yep. the spray cleaner with bleach, you know, anything. Because yeah. that shit hurts. It does. Get him in the eyes, man. I don't know if he'd even be able to see yeah, the no. fact that he was able to fight after that, I feel is a little unrealistic, but I get it for the movie. Right, yeah. right. And so then she also finds the fire alarm that she had taken down from the ceiling, turns it on. So it's loud. It's unimaginably so loud. loud. It's right. Like, it's right in his face. Yeah. So he, he can't, can't see, see anyway. He's in pain. Yep. But he still manages to get her down and wrestle her down to the ground because she's incredibly weak right now. Yeah. And he is just strangling the life out of her. And it's really, it's really awful because, I mean, to strangle a person, first of all, it takes really, really close. You'd be so close to them. It's a really intimate kind of thing in the worst possible way. Mm-hmm. But you basically have to look at someone as they're, as they're dying. So he has like this death grip on her throat and she is... She still isn't giving up, though. Mm -hmm. She's feeling around on the floor. Luckily, the corkscrew happens to be near her good hand. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank goodness. And she picks it up, and she, like, jams it all the way through. All the way. Because I kind of wanted to call our cocktail the corkscrew, but there already was one. (laughs) But, um, yeah, she goes, stabs all the way through his neck. Yeah. And blood... And, and that kills him. Yeah, yes. and he's dead. Yes, that's that's a that's a good kill shot. I don't have to double tap in that case. Yeah, no, no. When you you get you get a yeah. good old artery, mm-hmm. you're good. They're down. And she pulls the phone out of his pocket and dials nine one one. And then, I mean, I would still just be laying there, but she gets up and goes out to meet the cops. Yeah, yeah. she's just she goes and sits down on the porch, kind of like in Ready or Not at the end. You're right. That doesn't give anything away. It doesn't, but you're right. That yeah. that is very true. That's a very like last girl standing type of shot. So, <laughs> yeah, and, and she does refer to herself a lot on Instagram as a final girl. Yeah, she, she totally is. is. Yeah. She is 100%. And the cat comes and sits next to her. I know. I was like the cat's okay. The cat made it. it made it. Yeah. I, I was like, do we really need to see all the dead bodies again? But that was, again, just me being traumatized by all the horrific events of the movie. But they do do, like, kind of a quick, like, shot of, like, all of the all of the, the dead bodies. Like, so it's Sarah and John. Um, and uh, before before kind of finishing on, on her on the porch. Kind of like how much has transpired in this very yeah. short amount of time. Just, sort of, just in case you forgot. <laughs> There's been a lot of carnage tonight. There was one other thing that I thought about during this movie, and it was in the scene where she climbs out the window and walks across the roof, was I was thinking about what if they actually had a deaf actress mm-hmm. play this role? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. That's a really good point. And I was thinking about it because from the character's perspective, like she's trying really hard to be quiet, but if you're deaf, you don't know how much noise you're making. So she wouldn't be able to tell when she got onto the roof, if she was making any noise or not. She would just know 
how hard she was stepping. Right. It would be a, a, a wonderful thing to, to consult with. Um, with um, if you know, I agree. It would have been really interesting and really cool to have had a deaf, deaf actress play that part. Um, but also maybe to consult with someone who's deaf because I wonder too how much you like learn two things um, that perhaps even if you can hear, like you you learn things without having the, you know, the ability to hear, you might learn how to do things quietly just because you learn those things, you know, like from, you know, not necessarily from hearing yourself, but I don't know if that makes any sense, like m- mimic mimicking others perhaps. Sure, yeah. sure. And I think going forward with doing films like this in the future, I think we do need to cast actors of the same abilities as yeah, the characters for sure because i think this would have been an amazing opportunity for a deaf actress oh yeah 100 percent. i think saying that though kate siegel did an amazing job she's an incredible actress but, but i do yes, I, I do right. wonder what kind of um nuances and discoveries would have been made with a deaf actress in the role yes that that's a really 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 good point point. and um, i wonder if they they had to have consulted i'm sure they must some have. they must someone have. Because it was so well done. It was really well done. And I'm, I'm sure in order to, you know, Kate Siegel and Mike Flanagan, I'm sure in order to make sure that it was an authentic performance that they must have done consultation and, and worked with um, um, someone who was deaf. Um, I would hope so, at least. Because, yeah, they, they did do a really good job. I agree 100% with you, Lacey and Laura. It's time to have more opportunities for, for actors uh, and particularly when the part calls for someone of a certain ability, um, I think, yeah, it's it's high time. It's been time for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, just going forward, it's like, I think we become more aware of those things every year. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe in 2016, we weren't as aware sure. of how important that is. But now we are. So yes. that's, that's an opportuni- opportunity. Definitely. So overall, this movie has been well-received. Roger Ebert wasn't super fond of it, but he didn't hate it either. He said it might have worked better as a short film or an installment of an anthology series. But Flanagan has notable skill in building tension and then just allowing it to simmer. He doesn't resort to jump scare tactics that mar so many familiar low-budget films. We watch horror thrillers like Hush not to see the wheel reinvented, but to see it spin well. This movie spins. Yeah, Yeah, that's a great review. Did you know this movie was only shot in 18 days? Wow. Wow. That's days. fast. Can for you a imagine? Feature? That's unbelievable. Yeah. And then Stephen King loved this movie. He mm-hmm. said, How good is Hush? Up there with Halloween and even more wait until dark. White knuckle time. Yes, I agree. Yeah. There was a great review from The Guardian um, that said, uh, which I agree with, that it, it's got gore. So if you're a gore fan, there's gore, but it does not rely on it. Um, and for that, he really appreciated it, which is so true because there are often horror films where, yeah, where the, the everything that's scary is about the gore, is about the shock factor. Um, and I appreciate movies where tension is built really well, um, where dread is is built um, well and where um, we're all kind of like hanging on this our edge of our seat wondering what's going to happen next. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then another review from Culture Crypt website said, Hush is a Stephen King, there's Stephen King again, <laughs> style mm-hmm. story about looking out your window and suddenly seeing someone staring back at you. A concept of fear-dominant anxiety coupled with Maddie's deafness inherently makes it so that empty jolts are not the sole source of fright. Since sudden boos have little effect on Maddie, the emphasis on blocking an audio design changes Hush to keep thrills elevated above traditional tropes. A hundred percent. That's a really good point. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. There's not jump scares because jump scares so often rely on sound. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Often added in post. Mm-hmm. True. Because yeah. it's, mo- it's mainly music. True, true. So what would you rate this? Um, I think our guests should go first. <laughs> awesome. I would say A. Um, I, I really liked it. Uh, as I mentioned before, saw it about the same time you guys did, and it really stuck with me. Um, I'm a big fan of horror films, so I do see a lot of them. And even the ones that I don't like a lot, I still enjoy. And this is one that to me rated as exceptional um, because the direction is so good. The acting is so good. Storytelling, the script is excellent. It's very uh, suspenseful. There's a lot of tension um, and not too much gore, which I also, I do appreciate when you don't go overboard with the gore. Uh, So yeah, overall, I just, I think it's a great film. Yeah, I totally agree. I would definitely give this one an A. This is one of my favorite horror films that I've seen. Mike Flanagan has two of my favorite horror movies that I've seen in recent years, which one will be my recommendation. But um, yeah, I think that, again, it's an elevated horror film. It doesn't rely on the same tropes that we're used to seeing. And it presents a story that's been told in a completely different way, Mm -hmm. which just goes to show when you tell stories from different perspectives, they can be reinvented and for a new audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I go back and forth. I'm not sure... Like quality wise, I say an A, but I'm leaning a little towards a B just because it is a little hard for me to watch just with the brutality of it. See, sure. that doesn't bother me because it fits. Because like Laura said, like Laura Ray said, I'm sorry, I'm with two Laura's. <laughs> Laura squared, if you will. But Laura Ray made a good point. It's not gratuitous. It's really, it, it builds and it's there for a reason. It's not just like, oh, he's going to smash her hand for no purpose. He's going to smash her hand because then it's going to add to this. It's going to make this harder. Mm-hmm. And I hate to have, I mean, it's a sad that I have to say this, but I also appreciate that there's not sexual violence because unfortunately mm-hmm. that can dominate the genre. Um, and so I always appreciate when that doesn't happen. Um, right. It's a relief. <laughs> and it never, it never went there. There yes. was never an inkling or, and it was never suggested. No. Nope. Really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As, as a woman like that, that, yep is part of the reason probably it earns an A for me as well. Totally. Yeah, y'all have convinced me. <laughs> we just did it. Just because it's hard to watch doesn't mean that it's not good. It just means it's effective. Right. It is. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I had there were some points this morning. Uh, I told uh, Lacey and Laura this, but I rewatched it, the movie, alone this morning, and I never watch horror films by myself. And so I was standing most of the time with all of the lights on in my house, and sometimes I had to pause it to just, like, take a break and remind myself that it's okay. It's just a movie. <laughs> Did you hold anything in your hand? Were you like, let me go get the broom? <laughs> you know, I, I was like, I do know that I have knives in my kitchen. That's the only weapons we have. But uh, so I was thinking, and I was like, escape routes. Um, Did you get your wasp? Uh, your hornet spray you know what i should have had it um we do have a whole drawer of like because i am frightened of bugs so i have all the bug killers and i'm sorry because i know that you're you're not don't like to kill bugs you're kind to insects i am that's okay i am fortunately am well well, it's mostly just roaches i'm not a roach fan oh me either (laughs) i still catch them and release them that's so nice I'm, I'm you're a, a good-hearted individual. My kids think I'm insane at school. <laughs> They're like, what are you doing? That's very kind of you. You made Heath, I feel like, he's much more like sweet to bugs because of you. He wants really? to like catch them and take them outside. I'm like, just kill it. <laughs> you're like, finish the job, Finish Heath. him. <laughs> we did determine before we started recording that this passes the Bechdel test. Yes. Um, and way better than a lot of movies does. Mm-hmm. Truth. 
Yes, because a very small role, Max, has a name. They don't talk. They do talk about Craig slightly, but they talk about other things as well. Right. And she has two names because she has a nickname, mm. which is Squish, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. No, she's Squash. She's Squash. I always mm. forget which one's which. So she's Max and Squash. And Sarah has a name. Sarah at the and beginning. actually there's three female characters in this and two male characters. Yeah. Hey. Um and one of the male characters doesn't have a name. He's just called Man. So there, reverse Bechtel. Bam. Test. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that means. Um, our next question is why should we cover this? Do you think we've already talked about that? I enough? think we've got I think we've already covered that question. <laughs> okay. So now we're on to recommendations. And again, I defer to our guest. Do you Ooh. have any recommendations? I do. Thanks tell for us. asking. Um, tell us. So I was thinking along the lines of like home invasion films because, you know, that is a, a like a sub, I guess like a sub genre within horror films. For sure. Um, the call is coming from inside the house. Absolutely. And I don't know if I've told you guys about this movie before, but I just adore it. It's called Better Watch Out. It's a a Christmas horror film. Um, so it's like set at Christmas time and it's a home invasion with like a super fun twist. It's scary, but it's also like, we, like we talked about earlier in the episode, it's got some like dark comedy in it. It's just a lot of fun. Um, and it's the season since it's a Christmas film. So it's called better watch Hola. out directed by Chris Peckover. Um, writers, uh, Zach Kahn, and then in Chris Peckover. And then there's a podcast I was mentioning to you guys as well called Radio Rental. And it's true scary stories. And it's told by the people that those scary stories happen to. Um, and they're very unsettling and bizarre. And some of them you just cannot believe that they're real. Um, it's just a very captivating podcast. So if you like scary stuff, um, Radio Rental is a lot of fun. And bonus, uh, Rain Wilson is the host. He played Dwight on The Office. And he's oh, awesome. he's a lot of fun. I, I enjoy him. So... So yeah, those are my recommendations. Very good, very good. I will check out both of both of those things. Woo-hoo. Yeah, yeah. So you want to go next? Sure. So my recommendation is the movie "Wait Until Dark." Nice. Yep. Directed by Terrence Young, with a screenplay by Robert Carrington and Jane Howard Carrington. So it looks oh. like I don't know if they're brother, sister, husband, and wife, or what, but um, that's cool. Um, it's based on the play by Frederick Knott, and it stars Audrey Hepburn, Alan Arkin, and Richard Crenna. And the synopsis is, a blind woman is terrorized by a trio of thugs while they search for a heroin-stuffed doll they believe is in her apartment. And it's, it's a fantastic movie. It is. It's so good. So my recommendation is another film by Mike Flanagan that actually we talked about in the beginning got me into horror because it was the first scary movie I watched that I was scared out of my mind watching Mm -hmm. but appreciated it for being a good movie. And it was the first time I was able to separate the two and appreciate it for being a good movie. And that is Oculus, which was released in 2013. I saw it for the first time at South by Southwest. I think of the same year. Yes. So it would have been the same year. And we actually were at a screening where Karen Gillan was there, with oh, along cool. with Jason Bloom, who is the owner of Bloomhouse Productions. Nice. Yeah, we stood in the rain for two and a half hours. Yeah, we stood for a long time, and it was really cold. It was unseasonably cold in March. And um, Carl actually got a picture with her, and the picture of him getting a picture with her ended up on E! News. (gasps) No way! Yep. And I'm in the background looking like I'm praying for death. (laughs) 
because I was so tired. Because we, we sat in line for like two and a half hours. The movie was a couple. How long was the movie? It was a midnight screening anyway. Oh, yeah. So the yikes. movie was almost two hours long. Plus there was a panel. And then we got pictures with her afterwards. So it was super late. I was Ooh, so tired. I and like, I said, Jason Bloom, it's Jason Blum. This is Blum House production. I don't know why I went to Bloom. My mind always does Bloom too. And I have to correct myself. But really quickly, this was directed by Mike Flanagan and it was written, the screenplay was written by Mike Flanagan and Jeff Howard and it was based on a short screenplay by Mike Flanagan and Jeff Seidman. So male heavy, but very good. It has a very good role for Karen Gillan, who Mm -hmm. plays the lead, Katie Sackhoff from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, she's the mom. Yeah, she was great. I I really liked that film a lot. I I saw it in the theaters as well. And... Mm -hmm. um, Michael Trucco in this movie was also in Battlestar Galactica. What? I wonder if Mike Flanagan is a Battlestar Galactica fan. Aww. He just has ties. I love it. Um, yeah, he played Anders in Battlestar, and Battlestar Galactica is one of my favorite TV shows, if y'all don't know that. Nice. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Aww. Mike Flanagan likes to film in a short time because Oculus was filmed in 24 days. Holy smokes, man. Like, and it's another, like, closed room Oh, yeah. Horror. Right, because it's set mostly just in the house, right? That yeah. movie will mess with your mind. It's really creepy. It's yeah. really creepy, but it's really, really good. So, um, and I think a different cut screened at South By, because the film version that we saw on DVD was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Still very good, but yeah. I they did take some things out or edit some things. Mm. But yeah, so that's my recommendation. Nice. All right. Oh, and we forgot to mention, if you haven't watched it, like I said in the beginning, check out Haunting at Hill House. Yes. Because, is that what it's called? Haunting at Hill House or Haunting on Hill House? Is it the Haunting of Hill House? Or the Haunting Haunting of Hill House? On, of, in, of, in, on. Laura, you got it? Below. I'm looking. Of, in, on, below, (laughs) beside. (laughs) The Haunting (laughs) beside Hill House. Every option. (laughs) That that show was great, but I can't think of it. The Haunting under Hill House. I'm the haunting sure within. The haunting of Hill House. Wait, why am I going to Disney Plus? <laughs> Laura, the haunting of Hill House is not on Disney Plus, but I think it is also. Haunting. It is the haunting of Hill House. Of, yeah. Can you it. tell us who? Um, I know Mike Flanagan's one of the directors. Can you tell us? There's probably a lot of writers, but um, Kate Siegel's in that. They have some other amazing actors. It really functions more like a play to me. Yep. It just feels. Agreed. It feels very theatrical. So um, yeah, if you like. Um, good, good stuff. You mm-hmm. should check. You should check it out if you like horror. You should check it out if you like really interesting plot lines. Because yes. let me tell you what, this show scared the absolute shit out of me scary. until the end. Yeah, and that's still scary, right? But it's so much more understandable, and like I feel like I could watch it on my own. Yes, there's a lot of women writers in their writing team yes. for the show, which is really cool. Like it that. was created by Mike Flanagan, directed by. Bu- by Mike Flanagan and Kieran Foy. And yeah, a lot of writers. Let's see. Starring Kate Siegel, Victoria Peretti, Michael Huseman, Carla Gugino. Gugino. There's a lot of characters here. So <laughs> yeah, we'll just li- we'll leave it at that. But it's on Netflix. It's streaming. So it's a good thing to just binge because you need to because you're going to be so scared because there is one neck episode in particular. It's called The Bent Neck Lady. I knew you were going to say that one. It's I, so scary. I couldn't sleep. It's I literally so laid awake. I, and if I don't stop myself, I can think about it now and it will scare me. Yeah, it's it's 
terrifying. Yeah. But and then once you realize everything, it's not so scary, but it's still pretty scary. Yep. And it may be a future episode. Oh, that's not a bad idea. That actually would be a really good one for you guys to cover. Yeah, totally. Are we wrapped? I think so. Thank you, Laura Ray, for being with us again. Thank yes. you, guys. And you have, and I know you want to come back if we do wait until dark, right? Oh my gosh, yes. Okay. A- anytime you'll want me back. I'm so here. next time, Laura Ray is joining the Five Timers Club. Whoop, whoop. Laura, look into embroidery services so we can get that thing customized. The I'm robe ready. customized. I'll make my oh, own. We're jacket. getting robes and not jackets now. <laughs> it's, oh, Ooh. is it a? What? Well, no, no. It's like a smoking jacket. Mm. Oh, okay. So it's like partially a jacket, partially a robe. That's really classy. I like yeah, that. it's it's. Part robe, part jacket, all classy. I love it. That's what it is. All right. Anything else? Nope. Everyone say bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of Fatal Femmes. Like us on Facebook at Fatal Femmes and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fatal underscore Femmes. Have a question or comment for the show? Shoot us an email at fatalfemspodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are now available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever podcatcher you use. Don't forget to leave us a rating while you're there. If you like what you've heard, check out our Patreon page. We have different sponsorship levels with perks that will allow us to make more content and better quality episodes. We hope you enjoyed this episode, because if you didn't, the consequences could be fatal. Thanks for listening.